Well, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. If it's your first time here, I know we have a couple of new folks here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Let me just say a couple of things right off the bat because I'm getting a lot of questions. The waving inflatable guys were not my idea, okay? It is what it is, all right? We're getting a lot of calls about whether or not we're selling mattresses. We're not. The other thing is, like, we did not do these things dangling from the ceiling, this Harry Potter thing. So, like, don't think that we put that up there to make this nicer looking. We did not. Anyway. Now that I've put all those disclaimers out there, let's begin. Um, so we are in week four of this series that we've been calling Seemingly Impossible. And if it is your first time, let me explain to you what we've been doing here. So towards the end of Jesus' ministry, he gathered his disciples together and he goes, all right, boys, here's the deal. I need you to go out into the world. I need you to make disciples of every single nation, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, like we did yesterday, which was incredible. And he goes, and then... I need you to teach those people my commands. And so what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is trying to figure out, well, what exactly were the commands of Jesus? Because we know, like, the Ten Commandments. I mean, we might not know them off the top of our heads, but we know they exist. But what about Jesus? What are, what are his commands? We know he's a love your neighbor as yourself kind of a guy, but what are the specific commands that he gave? And, and what we found is that when you look through the Scripture, when you look through the Gospel, sure enough, they are commands. And, and Jesus' commands are short, they're simple, they're very easy to remember, but what we've found is that they are seemingly impossible for us to accomplish, or at least that's what we've been telling ourselves. And so each week we've been taking a look at, you know, one of his specific commands, and in week one we learned that Jesus said, thou shalt not fear. Don't be afraid. He said, look, even when there's something to be afraid of, you don't need to be afraid. You know, when we're kids, our parents look at us and say, you don't need to be scared. There's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus says, look, even when there is something to be afraid of, you don't need to be afraid. I'm here with you. Then we learn that Jesus said, thou shalt not judge. This idea that you're not to sort of size someone up and just write them off based on what they look like, what they wear, you know, what they may or may not know or may or not believe. We are to, we're challenged to get to know them, to love them, and to create a relationship with them. And then maybe at some point you might need to pour into their life over an issue. But at that point, you, you've earned the ability to do that. And last week we talked about a doozy. Jesus looked and taught us this one by looking at a woman who was caught in the midst of adultery. And he said to her, thou shalt not sin. He said, leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. And this one we hear and we go, oh my gosh, that seems impossible. What are we, Jesus? How, how am I to live a sinless life? And what we learned is that Jesus, in fact, does not expect us to live a sinless perfection of a life. Rather, he understands that we're humans, that, that, that living a sinless, perfect life this side of heaven is an impossibility, but he does expect us to leave our life of sin, to, to, to move away from the person that we once were. That when he died on that cross, it wasn't just to forgive us of our sins, but to give us the power to actively move away from habitual sin and the life of sin that we're living. Now today, the command that he gives us is one that he speaks on quite a bit. He speaks on it in multiple occasions to multiple different groups of people. So today, we are learning about the doozy that is, thou shalt not worry, okay? It's a problem for me. I know it's a problem for a lot of you, okay? And, and we hear this, and at this point, I sound like a broken record, but we hear this when we go, come on, what, this, is, this is absurd. 
right? You're telling, you, you think I want to worry, Jesus? I mean, honestly, you think this is something I want to be doing? Telling me to stop worrying, okay? There's nothing I'd rather more than not worry. But Jesus does, in fact, command us, do not worry. And he does it in what amounts to being his most famous sermon of his entire ministry. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. When he looks out into that crowd on the side of that mountain, he says to them, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And I think that original audience reacted just the same way that we are. And we go, can you even command that? Because isn't worry, isn't it a natural reflex? Isn't it it an automatic reflex telling us not to worry? But Jesus knew something that I believe every single one of us know, but most of us forget. And I want to condense down all of Jesus' wisdom on worry into a couple of questions. And I want to pose it to you right out of the gate, just to kind of prepare the soil, if you will, for what he's going to teach us today on this topic of worry. So let me just ask you a couple of questions you don't need to answer out loud, just in your own mind. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to anyone's life? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to anyone's life? And that includes your own. How about this? Who of you, by worrying, has probably taken a year off your life, okay? The latest stat says that 90% of all doctor visits in America are stress-related, okay? And now you hear this and you're worried that, like, by worrying, you've shortened your life. Well, you have, okay? That's my worry this week. No, don't worry about that, okay? Who of you, by worrying, is driving the people in your life crazy, okay? And if you're being driven crazy by worry, raise your hands real quick. That's everybody, okay? Okay, how about, how about this one? Who of you, by worrying, has upgraded your wardrobe and reduced your grocery bill, okay? I put this one on here because Jesus today speaks specifically about this one. And lastly, who of you, by worrying, has added value to what you value most? Now, we hear these questions, and we know the answers to these questions. We know the answers, right? And we say to ourselves, okay, well, well, if worrying doesn't accomplish anything, Okay? If worrying makes your life worse and not better, if worrying is not extending your life but actually maybe shortening it, and if worrying is driving us crazy and driving the people around us crazy, then it makes perfect sense for Jesus to look at us and say, do not worry. Don't worry. But this brings us to the hard part. How? Right? Like how, okay? Because if you're a worrier in the room, you know why we have all these punctuation marks. Because there's almost this like desperation in our lives. There's this exasperation. We would do whatever it takes to not be like this anymore. Nobody wants to be a worrier. So Jesus, how, how, how? There's good news. Jesus actually gives us an alternative to worry. So in Matthew chapter 6 is where we read the account of this whole teaching on worry, where it takes place. So let's just jump into verse 25. So Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. So right off the bat, Jesus just dives right in to the core of worry. And the core of worry is that it's all about the future. That's why he uses these words, will. He says, don't don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Now, the reason Jesus lands on food and water and clothing is because this was the primary concern of that specific audience that he was speaking to. 
but it's not our primary concerns. In fact, if you're a Christian worrier, I could pretty much guarantee you've read this before, and you're like, oh, he didn't mention my worries. I guess I should worry about them. Don't do that. I mean, let's just talk about this for a second. It's not how this works. He can't list everything. That'd be the entire Bible list of all the things we're worrying about. Most of us, in fact, I can say none of us in this room are worried about where our next meal is coming from. In fact, because I know a lot of you, most of you are probably on specialized diets, right? Somebody's like counting their macros, you're a vegan, you're gluten-free, okay, you're doing intermittent fasting, you're doing a juice cleanse, you're trying not to eat carbs. In fact, most of you are actually trying to eat less food at every single meal, okay? Food, not our problem. It's not our, water, thank God, not our problem. We have plentiful amounts of water. It might be yellow because you live in Fort Lauderdale, but you got all the water you need. Not a problem. How about clothes? Most of us, honestly, have so many clothes that like once or twice a year we have to go into our closets. You know, you pull off that shirt, you ask if it sparks joy, and when it doesn't, you give it to Scott Sonnenberg to give to the homeless people, okay? These are not the issues that we have. And I think the original audience that Jesus was speaking to would, would look at us and go, wow, wow, you... You Christians of 2019, you must not worry about anything at all. Life must be great for you, right? Ha! Right? How am I going to pay for my kids' tuition we worry about? What if I lose my job? What if I never get married? What if I never have kids? What if I can't afford health care? What if I can't get that bank loan? What if I do and I can't pay that mortgage? Oh, my gosh, traffic, right? What if I get cancer? What if I get identity theft? And what if the FBI is listening to me through Alexa and Siri? And by the way, they are. You know it, but you still got it in your house. My mom just got one. I go, aren't you afraid they're listening? She goes, what are we saying? Okay, we'll find out. No, smooth sailing for us in 2019. No problems at all. No issues. We have nothing to worry about. So Jesus continues. And this is interesting what he says here. He says, is not life, okay, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So he says, isn't life, when you think about it, bigger than that thing that you worry about, right? And I, I don't know if you're worrying about your bills or you're worrying about an upcoming test in school or, or, or if you're worried about your health even. He goes, isn't it true that your life is bigger than all of those things that you worry about? And I think if push comes to shove, we would say, well, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about life and you're talking about the meaning of life and the purpose of life, then yeah, then, then life is, is, is bigger than those things that I worry about. I think Jesus would say, good, hold on to that. Because that's a really important concept and, and, and idea. And what I think Jesus is saying here in this verse is that when you worry, it's as if you equate your life with that thing that you worry about. He goes, isn't your life more than food? And, and we live a life where we go, no, that, that thing that I worry about, this is life. This is, this is everything to me, these things that I'm worrying about. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Life is far more valuable than the things that you worry about. He says, look, look at the birds of the air. Remember, they're outside. He goes, look at, look at the birds of the air. And we hear this and we go, look at the birds of the air. Jesus, who's got time for I, I, got, I got bills I got to pay, right? I got a presentation I got to make. I, 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 I got Google. I got symptoms. I got to Google today. I, look at the, ain't nobody got time for that. Okay, look at the birds of the air. And he's like, stop, okay? You're driving me crazy now. He goes, stop, okay? Take a deep breath because I want to teach you something. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not, and this is interesting. He goes, they do not sow or reap 
or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And so he's trying to teach us something very interesting here. He's saying, when you look at the birds around you, he goes, they do not sow or reap or or store away. And yet God takes care of them. What he's doing here is he is not arguing for leaving a life of irresponsibility. He's not saying, oh, you got a test on Monday? Yeah, don't study for it. God will show up. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. No need to study. You don't need to do that at all. Not a problem. God's great. You're fine. Okay? What he is doing here is he's showing us that as humans, okay, as folks that have been made in the image of God, we have an extraordinary advantage over all of nature. Meaning, we can sow and reap and store away. Essentially, you have the ability to prepare for tomorrow, today. You have the ability, as humans, to prepare for tomorrow, today. You have the ability to anticipate what is coming down the road, and that is a gift from God. However, if we don't harness that gift, it can drive you to worry. It is the flip side of that coin. And so what he's saying here is, look at the birds. They can't store. They can't reap. They can't prepare. And yet they don't worry, and God takes care of them. But you, you can do all those things, and you are much more valuable to God than those birds. So you don't have to worry. And then he hits us with the first question. He says this, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So it's almost like he's asking us a question. He goes, what is life? Okay, what, 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 what is life? What is the most important aspect of life? And I think we would probably have to say, well, our health. Because Health literally determines whether you have life. Without health, you have no life. So that is the most important thing in life. And I think Jesus would probably argue that your life is actually bigger than your health, but we're going to go with that. He goes, okay, fine, your health. Can any of you extend your life? Can any of you add hours to your life by worrying? No, you cannot. You cannot. So he's saying, so, so here's the deal. And it's the same thing with the birds. He goes, he goes, I'm not arguing for a life of irresponsibility here. He goes, uh-uh. this is not me telling you don't exercise. This is not me telling you don't eat right. This is me not telling you to don't take your insulin if you have diabetes. This is just me telling you that worrying doesn't add value to the thing that you value most, your life. He continues, and why do you worry about clothes? You see how the flowers of the field, remember he's outside, see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. They're not preparing for the future, continues. Yet, I tell you, now not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? He's saying, do you trust that God can and will take care of you. Because this is the issue here. That, that we lack confidence that God is actually with us and will be taking care of our needs. And I, I was thinking about this for a moment. Think about God for a second. God created the entire universe. I believe that. Okay? God created us in his image. That's what scripture says. 
God sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross, the most painful death there is, specifically for us. And then God put the Holy Spirit into every single follower of his son. He did all that for us. And yet we can't trust him? We can't trust him with our life? And it dawned on me that Christian warriors have a very unusual relationship with their Heavenly Father. Because we trust God with our eternity, but not our tomorrow. Did you ever think about that? I mean, if you're a Christian warrior, this is really what we're saying, that we trust God with our eternity, we trust him with our souls. The most important thing that we have or will ever have that exists in this world, we trust that to God. Why? I think, maybe, because our soul is intangible. We can't touch it, can't feel it, we can't see it, so it really almost costs us nothing to hand that over to God. But my home, my job, that paycheck, my health, ah, I don't know if God can handle that one. I mean, the soul, he's got that one. That's fine. But all this other stuff that I can see and feel and use, I don't think he can handle that, so I better protect myself by worrying. And Jesus sees these thoughts rattling around in our hearts, rattling around our heads. He sees the original audience when he's saying all this, thinking these exact same things, and he said to them as he says to us, you of little faith. You of little faith. He just laid out this entire argument where he says, your heavenly father is taking care of everything in the world. And you are more important than everything in the world. So you don't have to worry. You still don't trust you of little faith. And let me talk to you about this phrase, you of little faith, because this is, there's something interesting and actually really cool what's going on here. So Jesus obviously doesn't speak English. So when Jesus speaks, he speaks using a dialect of Hebrew known as Aramaic. But Matthew, the guy who's listening to this whole thing, is writing down what Jesus says in Greek, okay? He's listening to Aramaic, he's listening to Hebrew, and he's writing down in Greek. And when he hears Jesus say this phrase that we now read as you of little faith, Matthew's like, okay, I'm going to take two Greek words and I'm going to combine it together in order for people to understand what, what, what Jesus just said here. Now, here's the interesting thing. These two words that Matthew combined here have never been put together before in the New Testament and never again. In fact, researchers have found that never in all of Greek literature have these two words ever been combined before. And so what Jesus said 2,000 years ago was not you of little faith, was actually something more lines of, you little faithers, you, okay? It's almost like busting their chops. He's like, how big is God and how important are you, you little faithers, you? You little faithers, you, right? He's driving home the point, but at the same time, he's taking a little bit of the tension out of the air. But this is our problem. We struggle with trust. We struggle with confidence in God. We don't wake up in the morning having confidence that, God is already waiting on tomorrow, right? We, we, we start our day, midday happens, all of a sudden we start reaching in tomorrow, trying to pull the concerns of tomorrow into today. We start going, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Jesus goes, stop, don't, don't, don't do that. 
You, you don't need to do that. You don't need to pull the concerns of tomorrow into today. God's in control. So do not worry, he says, saying, what shall we eat? Talking about the future, because that's what worrying is about. Don't say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? He's going right to the heart of worry. And then he says something very interesting about this list that he's been teaching on all day long. He goes, you see this list? The pagans run after these things. And when he says pagans, he means people who have no relationship to your heavenly father. People who don't recognize me as the Messiah, people who have no idea who the heavenly father is, they're the ones running after these things. They're the ones worried about these things. But your heavenly father knows you need them. He knows you need them. You don't need to worry. So let me just pose a question to you that might change a lot of stuff in your life. What if you were absolutely confident that God knows what you need? When you're going about your day and your mind starts to spin out of control about all the what ifs and all the things that are coming, what if all of a sudden God stepped into your life, whispered in your ear, I know. I've got it. I know. I've got it. Wouldn't that be like 90% of the battle for us? I mean, yeah, we don't know what the future holds, but God does. And if he's telling you that he knows what you need, wouldn't that just change everything? I mean, if this were true, wouldn't your life be so much better? And Jesus says it is. And then he gives us an alternative to worry. He goes, but you guys... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, the, the pagans, they run after these things. The, the pagans, they seek after these things. But, but you guys, seek after his kingdom. Seek after his righteousness, and, and, and all the rest will be given to you. Meaning, when you're tempted to worry about tomorrow, Get involved in what God is doing today. And, and we're going to return to this at the end. But you've got to see what Jesus says next. Because Jesus is about to relabel every single one of your worries. Every single one of your worries. So do this. Think about it for just take 10 seconds. Think about your top two worries. Because I know some of you have pages of lists. Just think about your top two things that you worry about. Okay? You got those? Now, here's what Jesus says. Therefore, do not worry about. Now, whatever those worries are that you just thought of, maybe it's your bills, maybe, maybe it's, it's a, a, a impending foreclosure, maybe it's, it's not getting into a college, maybe, maybe it's a bad diagnosis that you think you may receive, whatever that worry is, put it in this blank right here. Jesus then says, I want you to relabel whatever it is that you worry about tomorrow tomorrow. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow because you're not actually worried about your bills. You're worried about tomorrow. You're not actually worried about the surgery per se. You're worried about tomorrow. So whenever you catch yourself worrying, relabel it tomorrow. And God says, you don't need to worry about tomorrow. He continues, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each day, each day has enough trouble of its own. And here's what I think Jesus is trying to say here. And, and, and if you're a worrier in the room, listen up, because this is a game changer, what, what he's trying to show us here. Jesus is trying to show us that God's grace is sufficient for you today. God's grace is sufficient for you today, Sunday, August 11th, this 24-hour period. God has bestowed upon you all the tools you need, all the grace you need to manage today and today alone. And when we hear this and we draw it out to its logical conclusion, we would say, all right, well, that means that God's grace was sufficient for me yesterday because I made it through yesterday. And God's grace was sufficient for me the day before that because I made it through the day before that. And the day before that, and the day before that, that means that God's grace was sufficient for me my entire life because I am here standing today and I am okay. Which means that God's grace will be sufficient for you tomorrow. But that grace is only available to you tomorrow. And that's when worry starts to creep its way in because we say, well, what if tomorrow's different? What if I lose my, what if I lose my job tomorrow? What if I don't get married tomorrow? What if I can't have a baby tomorrow? What if I can't get into college tomorrow? I don't think I can handle that. And do you see the words that we use? Can, can. We're using present tense verbs to talk about future events, and it sends us into a spiral. And the worries of tomorrow begin to creep their way into today. And we feel overwhelmed. Let me explain to you why you feel overwhelmed and why you begin to feel worry about how you're going to handle these future events events that you're thinking about. It's because God doesn't give us the grace to deal with the imagined. He doesn't. He doesn't promise to, and he will not. He does not give you the grace to deal with imagined events. To say it another way, God is present in your present, but not in your imagined future. And, and the reason you feel so overwhelmed with worry about these future events is because you have projected yourself into a future that A, may never happen, and B, it's a future where God has not given you the tools and the grace to deal with it. In essence, you're operating in a realm that he's told you not to go to. In essence, you're on your own. That's why you feel worried. And when you begin to see that, all the pieces of the puzzle begin to make sense, and you go, oh my gosh, yeah. That makes sense. And what Jesus wants us to understand is that when tomorrow becomes today, God will give you the grace that you need, but not a moment sooner. That grace for tomorrow, if it comes, when it comes, he's got it. You'll be fine. He'll be with you. So don't worry about tomorrow because God's God tomorrow. So there's really only one question, and it's a very simple one. Will you choose to trust God or trust worry? Because I bet you worry hasn't served you very well up until this point. But yet we keep going back to it. So what's the practical? 
If it's your first time at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure that you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So let me just say this. I'm not so naive to think that you're going to hear a sermon and erase years of worry. Those are ingrained patterns, okay, in your life. But we can work on them. We can move away from that life that Jesus says, ah, don't worry. So I just want to give you three applications that you can begin to use today to try to move towards the goal of living a worry-free or at least a worry-less life. Number one, I would challenge you to begin your day by declaring your trust in God. As soon as you wake up, before you reach for the cell phone, before you get out of bed to go to the bathroom, I would just challenge you to start by declaring your trust in God. Just say, God, in your own heart, and you don't need to speak out loud. Just go, God, you know what? I trust you. I trust you. Then I would challenge you to thank him for what he did yesterday. And then invite him to go before you in the day and to go with you in the day. So it's simply, Lord, I trust you. Thank you for being with me yesterday because you were there. It was a rough day, but you got me through it and we're here. And thank you for being there. And I just ask now, Lord, that as we, we move our way into this next day, that you go with me and that you go before me. And when you do this, you can start your day with the confidence to know that you've given God control. You get out in front of worry. Now, I understand that there are some people who say, you know what, John, I'm not a, I'm not a praying person, and I don't, know why that might, I don't know why that might be. Okay? Some people say, well, I'm just not that good at praying, and I think sometimes people hear people like me pray on stage or Christina, or you've been around some seasoned Christians, and you hear them say all these fancy words. God doesn't care about any of that. He already knows what you're going to pray for. He already knows what you need. He just wants you to have a conversation with him. So I would just challenge you, just pray in your own way. Because someone once said that worry is prayer in reverse. It just makes everything bigger, okay? But prayer makes everything smaller. So pray. Secondly, I would challenge you, get in the habit of relabeling your worry as tomorrow. Anytime you catch yourself worrying, I would just challenge you to stop and say, you know what? I'm worrying about tomorrow. I'm worried about tomorrow, okay? I'm going to sow. I'm going to reap. I'm going to store away. I'm going to do everything that I can possibly do as a human, but then I'm going to leave it up to God. I'm going to put it in his hands, and I'm, gonna wor- I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Now, if you're a worrier, you're going to be tempted to say, well, This time it's different. This is not tomorrow. This is something, it's always tomorrow. Relabel it tomorrow. Leave it there. God's got it. Lastly, when you're worried about tomorrow, get involved in what God is doing today. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So here's how this works. Whenever you worry, Whenever it pops up in your mind, maybe it's multiple times in a day, maybe it's almost nonstop, but whenever that worry just pops, stop and pray for somebody else. Maybe you know somebody who's going through that thing that you're worrying about, pray for them. Pray for them. Because worry wants to make life all about you. 
Now you're going to allow that worry to trigger kingdom concern. Every time you worry, you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to pray for somebody else. And that's how you get involved in what God is doing on earth. And if you do this, Jesus makes us a promise. He says, you worry about my kingdom, and I'll worry about yours. You seek first my kingdom, you seek first my righteousness, all of those things that you're worrying about will be given to you. So do not worry. And this week, as you begin to wrestle around what this looks like in your own life, remember, trust God with your today and trust that he'll be waiting on you tomorrow. Jesus tells us that he will be. We need to have confidence in that. We need to trust him in that. And when we do, you will be set free. So let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we could be here today. Worrying is not fun. Nobody wants to worry, Lord, and yet every single one of us does it, some of us more than others. And it sucks the life out of us. It sucks the life out of those around us, Lord. But you have commanded us, do not worry. And you've assured us that you are with us, that you know what we need, and that we can trust you, that you will take care of us, that you will give us the grace to make it through whatever it is, if and when that thing happens. Easier said than done, Lord. But I just pray that today, perhaps in a new and powerful way, you would strengthen those of us in the room who struggle in this area. That you would challenge us to let go of these worries and to grab hold of you. Help us to have confidence in you, Jesus. Help us to trust you, Jesus. You have saved our souls. You have taken care of us for eternity, Lord. We can trust that you will take care of our tomorrow. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.